Well, good evening, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you are here with us tonight. And we're just going to begin our night by singing some Christmas carols together. And before we get into it, I just want to encourage you, think of this as kind of like being in our living room together, that we're just one big happy family and we get to celebrate Christmas Eve together. And whether this is your first time here or maybe you call All Shores home, we want you to know that you're welcome here and that you're here for the right reason. And so we pray that God will just meet you in what we do tonight together and that you'll just sense his love and his presence. With that, I want to invite you, if you're able to, to stand, and we're going to just open up in song together. Angels, we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the place. Amen. 
good to have you here tonight. This is the fourth service of four services that we've had on Christmas Eve, and I just need to let you in on something. You're at the best one. (laughs) Tonight, as Carter shared, we are just here to honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And man, we're so glad you're here. Don't you just love Christmas Eve? It's such a special time. We've ended this four-week series during Advent, and we recognize that Advent looks at Jesus and acknowledges the fact that he came down as a baby to be present with us. We know that he's present with us today, right? And we also acknowledge the fact that Jesus Christ will come again. And we're grateful for that. And that's really what Advent is all about. And so today we have the, or tonight I should say, we have the privilege of lighting the Christ candle. And as we light that tonight, we recognize that this represents Christ with us, bringing us from darkness into light. We want to take a moment as we start our service and just go to Jesus and pray. And one of the things that I love that we do often here at All Shores is we love to pray for each other because we recognize that we are in this thing called life together. And so as I pray, if there are individuals here tonight who would just say, man, this is a tough, a tough season for me. It's it's going to be a tough Christmas. Maybe there's a heaviness. Maybe there's just something you're facing. And do you want to just simply take a seat tonight? One of the things that we do as a church is we come around each other and we support each other. And as you sit, you may have someone come and just lay their hand on you. And that's just saying, hey, we're here and we're praying over you. And so, God, I pray tonight. As we enter into this beautiful time together, God, we get the opportunity to worship our risen Lord and Savior. And God, today and and tonight we celebrate the gift of the baby Jesus Christ, the light of the world, Emmanuel, God with us. And Father, we pray specifically who, for those who are here tonight who might be struggling or this is a difficult season or God, we understand that we're going to celebrate Christmas in a very unique way. And God, we just simply pray for your presence upon those individuals tonight, wherever they are in the sanctuary seated, that Lord, your presence would be very close to them. God, we pray for other uh, gospel representations tonight who are just having Christmas Eve services. Lord, would you bless them also? And God, the, the folks who are here tonight, open our hearts more than to just great music, but God, open our hearts to your spirit that is alive and well and is present with us tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's remain standing as we continue to worship.
seated. Well, I want to welcome you again tonight, I guess for the third time, but uh, my name is Steve. I am actually on staff here at All Shores, and we are so blessed to have you here tonight, as we said earlier. 
If you were a guest with us tonight, could we just take a moment and say just a special thank you to you for being here? I know we have a lot of friends and family, and it's just so such a blessing for us to have you a part of our congregation. We'd even love to know that you are here and that you're attending. And one of the ways that you can just let us know that is by our connection card that you'll find in the chair back in front of you. If you wouldn't mind just taking a minute and letting us know that you are here, we would be grateful for that. You can take it to the connection point in our uh, lobby, and we would just love to know again that you have been here. If you don't have a church home, boy, we'd love to have you come back and visit. Lots of great things happening here at All Shores. A couple of housekeeping things I do want to let you know. Some of you probably noticed there are candles in the chair backs in front of you or at least around you. Uh, Those are going to be used here and a little bit later in the service. You'll also notice there is communion along the row there in each of the communion cup holders and also at the end if you don't have enough communion there's a large cup that has extra communion in it there also and again that will be used at the end of the service so hopefully that's convenient for you and you'll hear about when that's coming now one of the most important things that we do on christmas eve is our christmas eve offering and we are so thankful for how generous you have been over the years Pete's going to talk about that in just a few moments towards the end of the service, but I do want to encourage you just to take a peek at the screens and learn a little bit more about what tonight's offering looks like and just prayerfully consider how you might be involved. So take a look. We have a great tradition here at All Shores that began 12 years ago. During our Christmas Eve services, we receive an offering that we give away in its entirety. We give it away locally, regionally, and globally, always in partnership in an effort both to be the hands and feet of Jesus in meeting needs and discovering who he is along the way and all of that. And so locally, we're trying to meet needs in our own areas that we represent, that we're a part of, and both in our campuses and how we engage as a community. Regionally, we're trying to help those most in need. And globally, we try to go places we have partnerships and people and projects and have been part of helping in all sorts of ways. They can be physical helps, they can be developmental helps, but you have helped us give away over a million dollars over these last 12 years. And my invitation is to give as God leads generously to help us to continue to dispense his kindness and grace to the world around us. You'll see on the screen ways that you can give, how you can engage online in giving, how you can send in resources right to the church. And at each campus, there are boxes in the lobbies that you can put money directly in there for this offering on Christmas Eve. I simply want to invite you to give as God leads and thank you for being a part of allowing us to give away and dispense God's goodness all around us locally, regionally, and globally. Picture this. It's a cold winter's night. Snow is gently falling. Darkness surrounds you, and you struggle to see. Everything is obscure. Every direction, meaningless. But suddenly, light. The night Jesus was born, they tell us that a light appeared in the sky. A light that not even the greatest of astronomers could identify. A light so bright that even darkness had to flee. A light so powerful that even the worst of what we had done was not only exposed, it was cleansed, forgiven, and forgotten. You see, this is why Jesus came to earth, to give us that light so that we would have the same joy and the same love and the same light everywhere we go. And the best news is, this is a light meant for all. It is freely offered. You see, Christmas is more than the warmth of friends and family, more than nostalgia, the gifts and memories. It is about the greatest gift ever given because a world in darkness has not only seen a great light, no, we have seen the greatest light, and his name is Jesus.
welcome those joining us online and all of you here in our Spring Lake campus for our final Christmas Eve service. I don't know if you're like me, it might feel like it's kind of a crazy time, because first of all, there's grass outside. <laughs> you know, last year we had a blizzard the day before this, and we still were quite crazy. Like we, And the Lions won the division today. <laughs> I, yeah. I know people are like, that doesn't matter in church. It does to me. Okay. I want to pray for us uh, as we open scripture. And I, I want to bear in mind, listen, any Sunday this is true for us. People come with all sorts of postures and dispositions, but especially in the Christmas time, some of us come, it's tradition, and we might even come out of family and obligation. And so maybe being here is even full of doubt or full of ritual that you're not sure what you think about. For others of us, it might just be life is difficult right now, and it's another difficult day. Christmas comes, and it's supposed to be really exciting, but sometimes it's not. And then there's everything in between, from people who say they're full-on engaged in following Jesus to searching and looking. For us, it's not about information or persuasion. We say it's about revelation, and we mean that we hope God meets with you and speaks to you, and I don't get in the way of that. That's really our impetus in this. So you pray in the quiet, and I'm going to pray for us that God would speak whatever your posture or disposition. Oh, Lord, I thank you for the way you give the church around the world the year like this, that we come into it and say, this is the beginning. And I'm asking that you'd be birthing new things and revealing yourself in new ways. I pray for those among us, Lord, that maybe there's all sorts of doubt, maybe even negative things they've carried from how you've been portrayed or displaced or dispensed. It's been confusing, and I pray you'd speak. For those of us who are in troubled circumstances, you'd speak, and those of us who are excited and following you, you'd ignite us. Lord, I'm praying that whatever I have to say that's not from you, it will fall to the ground. It will be forgotten. But I am also asking that whatever is true and of you, that there would be revelation, something we can't explain, but we know it's true and you're here. So I join with the psalmist, praying that the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and our actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. amen. In case you didn't know what to say or didn't know what that is, amen is just means it's true. You're just agreeing. And so that's our prayer, that God would meet us. Well, I don't know what your winter has been like. In the last month, uh, my wife and I have gotten a new puppy. Yep, I put a shameless picture on the screen to get your attention. You're welcome. This is Alfie. He's a little Coton. We love little Alfie. It's our first dog. It's been uh, interesting going back into the puppy years, and I won't bore you with all of the horrors or details unless you see bags under my eyes, and you'll understand. Uh, but one of the things when you, when you have a new puppy, and particularly these little breeds, you know, you take them out to go, use the, go to the bathroom, do, whatever, do their little duty, whatever you call it. And they're so little, you can't tell if they're actually doing it sometimes. And, and you know what? The iPhone, with all of its technology, it is not bright enough to see. So I had to go out and buy a flashlight. I haven't bought a flashlight in a long time. Do you know what I found out about flashlights since the last time I bought one? They are shockingly bright. <laughs> and I may do this the whole night and just annoy you to death. So guess what? If you're sleeping, wake up. It's crazy. I put this little flashlight on, on Alfie, and he just looks like, dude, come on. What I'm doing should not be under light. I just enjoy the fact, though, that it annoys him. And it, I almost feel like it's a spot, like, like I'm going to do a song, hello, my baby, hello, my honey. Don't ask me why I did that song, but that's what I do. What's funny is I learned that these lights have gotten so much more powerful. Is that's true all over the place? I, I recently read uh, this last week that there, oftentimes, you know, people ask people ask you over your career, what have you seen change? Well, someone asked an astronaut this, what's changed as you look at the earth when you're up in space? And he said, over my lifetime, what's changed is the amount of light we can see from, from space. And he said, what's crazy is there's a location we see the most light from. It's the most vivid to us. And you know where it is? Las Vegas. That's where they see the most light. The city that you're not supposed to talk about in his darkness is the most vibrant. They call it literally like the beacon of humanity. Isn't that crazy and weird? But, but it gives a picture to us, even as we look at the coming of Jesus, the idea that 
what the metaphor often is used about what life is like is darkness. And what we're going to look at, we're going to look at just a few verses of prophecy from a prophet named Isaiah today who prophesies about Jesus. In fact, this whole long prophecy, a series of oracles and interactions with the people, really the leaders primarily of Judah, but of Israel. Israel is broken into two nations by the time Isaiah is walking the earth and God is speaking through him to the people. Now, the reason I start there as we look at this today is the prophecies of Isaiah in primary, even though there's, a, there's an application in that day and age, most of them are pointing to the future, when Messiah will come, when the Savior will come and speak about him. In fact, there are 40, specifically 40 prophecies that are fulfilled through the coming of Jesus, which by the way, if you're one that wants to ask questions of historicity and all sorts of questions about what can happen, just the mathematics of that are pretty unique. There are 80 more that speak of his return, his second coming. He doubles down on that apparently, but it's just very interesting For our point today, though, we're just going to look at a few verses. And even if you haven't been around church, if you're familiar familiar at all with Handel's Messiah, which is something that's sung at this time of year, these verses will, you might even, they might be familiar to some extent. I started with darkness because the verse really hinges on that. And that's a metaphor. It's a way that Isaiah looks through the world and what's going on in the world. And so he says this at the beginning of this prophetic statement. He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, I want to be clear. When he says a light has dawned, he doesn't mean this. It's not a blinding light. In fact, we tend to put those kind of things on text because of our modern sensibilities. And when he speaks of darkness, let's be clear on what he's talking about. It's not unique to that day and age. It's not unique to any time in history. When he says darkness, what he means or what we call in the church, the idea of sin, our own brokenness, the things that are dark within us that we live out alone, that we live out together, that we live out in relationship. They're personal and they're communal. When he talks of darkness, he's talking about the oppression in areas and lands, the suffering, the hopelessness, the pride that people do to self-advance, the people that go their own way. And at the root of it, typically, and this is true in our day and age, when there's darkness, people fight to try to overcome it on their own, in their own way, putting their own light to shine. And he's saying this is a different day. In fact, he speaks of it as a dawn. Now, we live in Michigan, and it's wintertime, which means most of you should be awake before the sun comes up. I'm assuming that. If you're not, you're either retired, congratulations, or you probably need a job, go get one. But for most of us, when we think of the light dawning, it's a slower turn on. You begin to see it come in the deep horizon and some light begins to come and then it comes more and more. In a sense, it's not a blistering deep halogen. It's much more like a candle being lit. So when he says a new day is dawn, he's speaking of a different kind of light, a different kind of image than they're used to. It's a new day. It's a different day. And we all know how even something as simple as a candle kind of warms up a room, doesn't it? That he's speaking of that... And when he does, and when we think of Jesus coming, we need to look at it in that context. We're going to see the actual text where it talks about this in more detail. But I want you to consider, we've done this over the last four weeks. We've been looking at different texts in Isaiah. And each of the images are images of what you would call barrenness or an odd way to find light. So when it speaks of this new Savior that will come, this Messiah, it says he's from the root of Jesse, from a stump, it will grow out of dry ground. Now, you understand things don't grow out of dry ground. The very image of that is saying when Messiah comes, it will seem like he couldn't. It will seem like a dark time, a dry time, and yet he will come. It speaks of Messiah this way of being a suffering servant, one who comes, and people don't even know him. They don't look and go, wow, he's so charismatic. They don't notice him. That's the kind of birth we're talking about. And make no mistake, Jesus comes in such a way. Now, he goes on to describe this. Before he does, though, There's a few more verses where he talks about how it will change. When this light comes, he says, there will be a new joy and the land will expand and the reign of this new Messiah will expand. And you and I, our tendency is to see it like we do in our way where that means life is easy and it's good. And I'm just going to tell you now, that's not what he means and we'll get to how it pictures differently. So this is what he says then in verse six. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. In a sense, his new rule and reign, not a political government the way we would talk about it, 
And then we'll look at the names he's called, because those are the things I'm hoping give us some handles to this today. But let's just stop for a minute as we look at the birth of Jesus. Jesus is born to a young, poor little family. He's born in a way, by the way, that should be a door marked no entry because his mother is Mary and the Holy Spirit is on her and she has a baby that is both God and humanity. It makes no sense. And and this is the tip of the crazy iceberg, we believe, which is beautiful. I'm not saying that as if, like, I like the fact that it doesn't make sense. But Jesus comes to this poor family They are displaced. While they're in Israel and they're back to their home, they're still in exile. They're ruled by Rome. They have no money. When when they give the money to dedicate him, it's a dove, which means they're so poor they can't give the actual offering. They have no pedigree. And then he's a baby. He's born vulnerably, and he's born in weakness. Now, that is not how you picture a king coming, is it? I just want us to get the picture of how this is. And now these four descriptors are going to be something that I think expand how we see and understand who Jesus is and what it means. The first thing is it says is he's a wonderful counselor. And I just put the sense of unfailing true wisdom. I want to explain to you why. Because what it means by wonderful counselor is the one that advises us and gives wisdom to us. Now, in all of Israel's plight that's going on at this time when Isaiah writes, both Israel and Judah, he's telling them, don't do what you think makes sense because it doesn't. And what they keep doing is they make alignments with other countries. They make alignments to self-protect. They even make alignments with the evil empire, hoping they'll protect them. And that's human wisdom. We do what we do because we try to survive. So when it calls him the wonderful counselor, what it's saying is it's a different kind of wisdom. And you know how Jesus has described what it means he will be through even the book of Isaiah? is very simply this. You want to know what true wisdom is? <laughs> and it is so amazingly counterintuitive. True wisdom says that in weakness, there is strength. True wisdom says in surrender, there's victory. True wisdom says that in death, there is new life. Now, I know you're looking at me like, dude, what did you smoke today? And what's going on with you? But I'm telling you, and I say this as one just bearing witness to it. God moves in a counter-cultural way because God overcomes how we live this way. The king comes in a different way, and that's true wisdom. Wisdom that says in weakness there is strength. Wisdom that says oddly and truthfully in surrender there is victory, and crazy and amazingly conquering in death there is life. Messiah is described in Isaiah 53 as the one who carries our iniquities, who literally bears the sins of us and takes on him what we cannot carry In other words, God moves when we can't. That's wisdom. That's the first one. The second one is, I think, the one we can get the most confused about when it says mighty God. Like, have you ever done this? Like, God, just show up and take him out. (laughs) I still remember we'd gone through a rough thing as a family, and my dad came to me, and he goes, I love the Psalms. Dash their heads against the rocks. That's what I want right now. And I'm like, amen. I don't think we're probably standing in a good place on this. What we think is the greatest power is overcoming evil by overpowering evil. You know how Jesus overcomes evil? He absorbs it. He takes it on and carries it. When we move to the cross, Jesus is on the cross and Luke's account of it, it says in the middle of the afternoon on the cross for three hours it goes completely dark. And we don't think much about that, which there's a whole other beautiful messages you get from these other times of threes and darkness and things that go on. But just in that moment, it is an image of Jesus taking the darkness of the world on and taking it on himself and absorbing it. Did you know the greatest power overcomes by absorbing and taking it on, not by fighting and trying to beat it fist to fist? That is amazingly confusing and sacredly beautiful to me. Because that's how Jesus comes and how he moves. Take you to the third one. He's the everlasting father. One of the things I love is considering that God is both unique, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God is also one. So we, we tend to say, well, Jesus came. The father sat back and said, go get him. We don't consider that God is in the midst of all that. And for many of us, we attach our own thoughts on who God is as a father. So we think, first of all, he's there as long as he's there and as long as we do the right things. And we perceive the Father will impose on us how we're to live and act. 
What the Father does is he sends Jesus to not impose on us, but to sacrifice for us. So you want to know the everlasting Father? He's with you, he's for you, and he loves you. He doesn't say to you, oh, you get a pass on the darkness of your life. He says, I'm sending myself, I'm sending my son to absorb the evil even you've created and carry it because you can't. See, when we don't see the Father that way, there's something else blocking, not who he is. Maybe it's churches we've been in. Maybe it's the way we've taught. Maybe it's our own experiences and our own families. But that's not who the Father is. I love that he's included in this. And it takes us to the final one that's culminating, which is that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Peace is the culmination. If you go all the way back to the creation narrative, God makes Adam and Eve, and they're to rule over the earth. They're literally to be his agents to bring his kingdom and how this beautiful new creation is managed. And they instead decide to be like him instead of serve him. And darkness enters and also fracture in their relationship with him and each other. So when Jesus comes, he is coming to bring peace and establish peace, to reestablish what's been broken. We call it reconciling with God and then inviting us to help reconcile with each other. You want to know how his peace comes? He doesn't come and take all the defiant places and go, I'm going to take them out. He comes in an incredibly vulnerable and weak way to establish peace. Jesus on the cross, I mean, it is, it, I, my, my mind cannot fathom going through this horrible assault, going through darkness, going through all there is, and all of the accusations when he could show them they're wrong like that. And instead in weakness... He dies because the greatest strength is showing his love and establishing peace through his very substitution for us and recreating, if you will. It's a new creation from there and a new beginning of his kingdom. And I love that's the picture. Oh my goodness, this is so powerful for what it is we celebrate today and what we enter into today. And there are really two simple things I invite you to apply. One is very simply to receive his light and the other is to carry it. And when I say receive his light, I don't know where you are in your relationship with God or what you even think about him. But here'd be my invitation. You're as dark as me. We've got darkness in our own personal lives, and we live with a whole lot of darkness around us. And you can go ahead and spend your life trying to overcome it by conquering it and fighting it, but you will never overcome. You'll just create a new set of it. And so receiving the light is saying, I need you, Jesus. The beauty of all this, by the way, is Messiah came to do what no one could do for themselves. That's why we call him the Savior. That's why in Luke, when it says he will come to save people from their sins, it's saying God will do what we can't. You think God doesn't love us? Why did he come? To actually do what none of us could. Now that's receiving the light. Let me tell you about carrying the light. And just remind you, I hope to give you a picture of this. So guys, if you'll take the house lights down, you want to go ahead and put your, just your candle up. So just picture... One light Jesus brings in the world, that's him, just him. Evan makes a good Jesus, doesn't he? So you see, but we can all see the light, can we? Now, this whole section, all of you put on your candles and hold them up. Just this section. Look at that, they're just so fast, aren't they? There's a lot more light, isn't there? And it's suddenly you see it. Now I want everybody in the room to turn your candles on and hold them up. Okay. So keep them up. I want you to picture the church where we're constantly screaming at people and trying to show the light this way. We're going we're gonna to hate them into loving Jesus. Now I want you to look and say, this is the church. In the midst of a dark world, Jesus said, guess what? I'm giving you who I am and you carry it. Do you see what a difference that makes if we're all holding up? I, I want you just to get a picture. This is what the church is supposed to be. So go ahead, guys. You can bring the house lights up and you guys can fake extinguish your lights for now. I want to pray for us. You know, I don't know if you're in either of these, but I want to invite you to be in both. That maybe you'd be somebody who'd respond to the light and maybe be someone who'd say, I want to carry that. So let me, whether you close your eyes, however you want best pray, I want to pray for us and invite you to pray with me. So Lord, I ask specifically for any among us who they're going, man, I know the darkness in me and I know the darkness around me. I pray especially for any here who thinks somehow if we could see what's inside, there'd be no lovability to them. And I pray you'd show them, God, how deeply you love them in the most vulnerable and hardest place. 
And I pray for the places where we flash our own lights that are fake and they portray a light we don't have, that you'd help us to let go of that. And for anyone who wants to discover this light of Jesus, there aren't magical words to it. It's simply being honest. Lord, I am dark and I have sin and I'm a mess. And I can't fix that. Would you be the light for me? Forgive me and would you live in me? That's what we invite him to do. By the way, that's the image of light coming in and being part of us. Just ask God for that. And then for some of you, this might be, I'm not sure where I am yet. Would you just be willing to pray, God, would you help me move towards you? And I want to encourage you to start hanging out with people that follow Jesus and ask him, start hanging out with us. And then for you who do follow, would you just ask God, help me to actually carry this light? Would you help me to carry it when I'm home with my family at the time I want to scream at each of them? Would you help me to carry it when I'm back to work, when I'm in the school, when I'm at friends' houses, when I'm hanging out with others, when I'm in the community? Ask God to help you carry the light. And then, Lord, I'm asking this won't be just a religious routine, but you would do something that instills in us more deeply how you've given us the light of who you are to carry it to others and help us love in a way that we have your spirit and your wisdom to know when to speak and how to speak. And Lord, give us courage when we're scared, but also give us discernment of what people need and how we engage. I pray this in your name. Amen. We have a sacrament, a sacred activity we do every time we're together, which is communion. Uh, I'll just tell you, we don't have a stipulation like you have to be a member here. We're not watching to go, oh, I don't know. We think it's between you and God. The invitation is, we want you to participate if it's a meaningful activity, if it's sacred. If you're pursuing and you're not sure, we still invite you if you want to, but we're saying to you, you don't have to. We don't want you to feel obligated. So you'll see the cups are in front of you. You fill the top layer, and that's the bread. That's the little wafer. You'll peel the second layer, and that's the drink. That's what we call the bread is the body and the blood of Christ. It's an image of that mystically. And what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate this together. And, and what it is, it's a centering activity in the life of the church. Very simply because Jesus told us to do this, and the church for 2,000 years has done it in most churches almost every week, if not all the time, and some do it less. But it's an activity that reminds us it's what he does, not what we do. It's what he did, not what we do. It's his love for us, not some way that we get out of it. It's saying, I can't do this. I need you. On the night of the trade, he took bread. He took a bread that was without leaven. Leaven was normally what was used. Leaven was considered sour. It was an image literally of sin as it soured. It was also an image of causing the bread to rise, which is an image of selfishness and pride and probably the source of all that. This is a picture that Jesus lived a sinless life. It's a picture of the burn marks from it being burned in the process, a reminder of his suffering and the piercings of the piercing he endured. Jesus took the bread, he broke it, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body, it's given for you. I am bringing the light to you when we receive it. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. It's what I've done, it's not what you can do. The beauty of the cup in the ancient world was when you shared it, you shared a destiny. And the picture is not just that we receive it, like the light, it's an image that we carry to others. You can have this light in life too. And so we receive it as we also give it. Let's take of the cup. And Lord, I ask in this wonderful, messy, sacred activity that you would minister, you would lead us, and you would fill us. And continue to lead us now, I pray in your name. Amen. you've experienced, you've just sensed that God loves you very dearly. And uh, even in what we've celebrated, the, the message is clear that Jesus came for all of us. And as you walked in tonight, you should have received a little card and it's a response card. We simply just want to hear from you tonight. And what we believe is we're called to walk towards God, but we're also called to not walk alone that we're called to walk alongside other people because God works through people to bring encouragement and wisdom and celebration and joy. And so you'll see on that card there are different things. There are things such as I've decided to give my life to Christ tonight or maybe I've given my life to Christ 
in the last year. Maybe you've decided you want to become baptized or in response to the message that we heard tonight, you're just sensing God prompting you to bring the light of Jesus Christ to the world around you, to the darkness and the hopelessness in people's lives, to be that light to them. Whatever you're sensing, we want to hear from you. And so you can mark that response card. And as you walk out the doors tonight, we just want to invite you to place those in the baskets as you walk out. With that being said, we want to finish our time tonight just in celebration. And so we're going to light our candles. I want to invite you to stand, light your candles, and we're just going to finish our time singing together and celebrating Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God being with us. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child.
I could take y'all home. It's just nice just sitting around, just hearing your voices, hearing the heart behind your voices. And I want to give you a blessing in just a minute uh, here. But I also want to remind you, you know, we often say around here that it's like when we come together, it's like we're, we're basically fueling up to be deployed. That we come in and we recharge and then we're sent out to bring the light we discover to a world in need of light. And so our care is not whether even the service moved you or whether you had a good time, though we pray God moves. But it's that what he does in you matters tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon and when your lives go back after the brief stint of time off and the way you live on Tuesday and Thursday, that God is with you and that he's for you and that he loves you. And we want you to live in that and we want to be part of helping the light to get spurred on and then watching you share it. We want to flame this place up with light, don't we? And so I, I want to bless you with that. I want to tell you this just on your way out. Next Sunday, uh, we'll, we'll all be together, actually. Our two campuses are coming together at 10 a.m. here. And it's, it's a great kind of end-of-the-year time where we get to look at how one little group of people is part of a global movement, what God's doing. We want you to hear about that. And the following Sunday on the 7th, is a vision Sunday where we really are looking at how do we both discover and grow in this light of Jesus and how do we learn how do we love other people with it. It's our mission, and so we're going, we want you to be here for that. And I want to tell you again, the Sunday after that, we start a 21 days of prayer, which is the way we begin our year. We're going to seek God. So we go, boy, if you're part of us, we want you here, and if you're not, we still want you here. If you have another church, we bless that, but if you don't, hang out with us. Now, I do, I'm going to ask you to uh, leave your lights when you go. We'd like you to have them, but we still need you for other things. Uh, and other than that, I just want you to place your hands out. I want to give you a blessing. And I'll remind you, too, if you filled out a card, we'd love to get that in the lobby just so we can encourage and pray. And if you don't mind taking your cups, we'd love that, too. Let me give you this blessing now. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may he continually fill you with the Spirit. Oh, may you discover the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. May that light shine greater and greater in you. And may you carry it to others for his glory and your joy and the love of others in his name. I ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.